Hello, my name is John Schaefer and welcome to The Wealth Show from CityWire. With all the hype surrounding ESG funds, what happens when a scandal arises with a portfolio company? I spoke with Matt Evans, manager of 91's UK Sustainable Equity Fund, which invests in Compass Group. Earlier this year, Compass was caught up in the school meals fiasco, as its subsidiary Chartwells was providing children with a meagre amount of food. This prompted a national outcry, with images of the offending parcels appearing in the national press. The criticism being that what was being provided was far below the £30 a week allowance. At the time of the fiasco, Compass represented 1.7% of 91's fund. I asked Matt how the asset manager reacted. Earlier this year, Compass Group was involved in the school meals scandal. Um, I know at the time you had a holding in the company. Uh, I, I wondered if you still did and, and sort of how you dealt with it. Um, yes, so we do still have a holding in Compass Group. Um, it, it was, uh, you know, in reality, a disappointing uh, period for Compass, for sure, and also with a fund that looks to be open and transparent. You look to minimise the risks of um, issues like this arising. Um, we felt that Compass have strong processes in place. They take their internal sustainability very seriously. And we had engaged with them about how they felt around um, their engagements with their broadest range of stakeholders. And I think how we analyze the stock, actually we, we put Compass in our neutral category around positive impact because you know, although nutrition is really important, people can buy and consume food from multiple places. Although Compass play a role in that, in areas like school meals, which is clearly an important part, we were engaging with them to understand the depth that they were going to to provide, you know, highly nutritious meals to an area of um, society that perhaps couldn't access uh, healthy meals uh, more regularly and elsewhere. So although being defined as neutral, we did feel their internal sustainability was was very strong. Um, so this was disappointing, but we engaged with them. We we sent a very early email uh, to the group and managed to get a, a meeting in place with the executive and the IR to discuss how they were uh, looking to deal with this challenge, what went wrong, and what they could do to support them uh, to support these groups going forward. And what was very clear in those engagements that they were clearly disappointed themselves. This is something they felt they had uh, processes in place to ensure uh, issues like this didn't arise. Um, they didn't look to make excuses, but they did point out very quickly that the, the speed they had to respond meant that they were very keen to get the food parcels in place. And actually some of their processes weren't fit for purpose, but they addressed those very quickly, being very clear what the chefs had to put in these parcels, take photographs of each parcel going forward uh, and to ensure that those parcels were providing full and nutritious food. What was particularly encouraging for us and showed we think uh, that they really do believe in the importance of serving all stakeholders is they went, in our opinion, slightly above and beyond. They included breakfast in the food parcels, which weren't part of the contract. Uh, and they also added uh, seven-day parcels rather than just five-day parcels, which meant they didn't make profits uh, on this contract throughout the duration. I mean, da dare I say, it, if there hadn't been that political pressure and sort of publicity in, in the sort of broader media, that wouldn't have happened. So, again, an interesting point. 
we're, we're not going to know the answer to that because there was the publicity. However, when you engage with these companies, you do get a strong feeling about what really drives them. And yes, there was political pressure. So not for one moment suggesting that, you know, that would have been their course of action. But when you look at a company like Compass, they do look to address and understand all their stakeholders. They have very long running programs of educating children around nutrition. Uh, they've also had a good program of reducing salt uh, and calorie intake in their food. So there's an indication that they do understand the responsibilities go beyond just making profits, but it's how they do that. In reality, this was a particular event in time. We felt they reacted quickly. Yes, there was the press, so no doubt there was some response to that. But they still made good decisions on the back of that to ensure that they did deliver you know, more appropriate parcels going forward and ensure that those uh, end uh, consumers of that product um, you know, had a far better experience going forward. So obviously, you know, you would have seen these images in the press of these sort of almost Dickensian looking uh, sort of sparse amounts of, of food. Um, and, you know, as a fund manager, what was your process for reacting to that? And what do you actually say to a company when you're in that situation? So the starting point is you see the pictures and you're disappointed and you you don't you want to understand that you have process in place that you need to deliver on a contract. They were photographed. They didn't hide away. Those packages were sent, and that's hugely disappointing. What they, what you then want to react to the format is to ask the questions, what went wrong within the processes? Was this an uh, intentional decision to um, consistently send out you know, low-quality parcels to make more profits? Um, those are the first questions that you ask. The responses we got were absolutely not. They could track down the number of packages that went out underrepresented, and it was, you know, too many, of course, but it was um, a fraction of the amount of parcels that, that went out. They reacted quickly and they rectified those issues. And for us, you know, these are big global businesses that are doing their best to manage their supply chains uh, as consistently as possible. We did the research that felt they had the right processes in place. These were um, known about and picked up and they reacted in a way that we thought was, you know, absolutely necessary, but they still reacted in those right way and they rectified their processes. You know, I can't be sure because you never can, but this is one of those scandals that hasn't reappeared from Compass. It feels as though the processes they put in place hasn't led to further um, uh, posting of inappropriate uh, photos of hampers that just aren't fit for purpose, which gives us some confidence that they have rectified that that initial problem and reacted in the right way. I think this comes on to a broader point. Um, how do you approach engagement v divesting from problem companies? Yeah, so our third point is to engage, and you want to encourage that continual improvement. So in general, we're engaging with companies on an ongoing basis, and we want companies to continually improve their processes and their interaction with all stakeholders. So that is an ongoing uh, level of engagement. When you're engaging on a specific issue, such as in the, in the Compass example we've been discussing, we are also looking for an acceptance of what the problem was and how it arose and the steps they put in place to uh, to improve that, to ensure it wouldn't keep arising. 
in Compass, we got confidence that they were moving on in the right direction. We will have continual engagements with Compass. What they've learned as more time has passed, how they're looking to deal with those situations directly around school meals in the future, but also more broadly on the business, how are they going to you know, improve their processes that issues like this won't con- keep continually arising. If we get comfort with that, then it's kind of company we would look to continue holding. If we get, you know, feeling that actually the company haven't taken these issues seriously or they've just responded to the negative press to put it right in the short term, it comes through our lines of questioning and our understanding of the business. Uh, and if we felt that they really weren't addressing those concerns at that point, then we would consider... Um, divestment from a company like that. And do you have an example of when you have divested from a company? Um, So the the fund I'm running has only been uh, running for about two, two and a half years. We have definitely um, had some engagements with companies where our understanding of their engagement with their broader stakeholders, we've been slightly concerned about that they were engaging Uh, with their end customer, but very much focused on ensuring that they were able to continually increase their pricing, not necessarily fully understanding how the end customer was utilizing their product, uh, and maybe not in their best interests. We didn't feel that the company was making enough or significant progress and felt that that could be a detriment to their business model going forward and customers would pull away from their product. And we did actually um, divest from that company. Sure. And, and do you have, do you have a, a name of that company? So the company that's no longer in the sustainable fund is a company called um, Paypoint. So that's the example. We think their business has been in transition um, and we feel it, it's going to be um, th- there's some good things going on in that business. But in terms of what we were looking for within the sustainable fund and along those, those three pillars, the relationship with their end customer, the, the shopkeeper, we, we still felt slightly challenging, and that's why we divested from that from that company at this time because of the risks to the business model. What UK value players are you currently interested in? For us, there, there's a couple of different areas we're looking at. So there's a company SMS uh, which is involved in the installation of smart meters uh, into residential houses. Um, they install the meters and then they earn an annual rental that are actually linked to inflation, i.e. you'll get inflation um, increases that they go forward that they charge to utility companies. Um, They've got a very large base of installed meters, which gives them a good annuity stream of income. But as the UK progresses towards the full smart meter rollout, there's still good growth in that market. That company is one that is trading, uh, in our opinion, below the current value of their installed meters with growth still to come. So we think that is one definition of value uh, in, a, in a sort of asset play, which looks quite interesting. Um, another area uh, of particular value, we think, is a company called um, Clinogen. This is very much uh, a recovery play, actually. They had very heavy um, period of acquisitions that they were looking to integrate. That led to um, quite high levels of debt, which through the pandemic uh, led to some concerns over that share. So the shares are trading, in our opinion, a a very compelling valuation opportunity just into double-digit PE, sort of 11 times PE. But it's involved in areas of good structural growth, where they're in the area of providing unlicensed medicines by suiting a really unmet need. So in... um, 
in clinical services where you're looking to trial medicines that run through um, the medical processes to get um, verification of that medicine, they provide those key medicines into areas of the market that require it for testing. But they can also provide medicines that are unlicensed in particular markets. So they've achieved a license in, say, a core market in, say, Europe or the UK, but not maybe in areas of Asia or Africa. Um, so they can provide those medicines under very strict medical guidelines, and they have a full compliance suite, which means they can get those medicines to the right patient through the hospitals in a very compliant uh, way. We think they've got a great opportunity um, to keep delivering. And as they show their growth, they will generate more cash, which will pay down the debt, which will give this, this company a really good opportunity. Are you concerned a bit about there being a, a sort of dash for trash in UK stocks? Um, for us, um, it's something we're aware of, what's driving the market returns. But our approach is all around staying very focused on our process, where we're looking to buy very compelling businesses with a strong business model and the financial model that we've discussed, and with management teams that's exercised good capital allocation disciplines over time. So for us, you know, the shape of the market is something we're aware of, but we, we feel as markets follow certain trends or move to more value, it does create opportunities in our area of particular focus where maybe um, people move away from such businesses on valuation grounds as they focus on the, on the dash for trash, as an example. And we, we are patient, take a very long-term view, and we think that can present opportunity to buy businesses in our core area of focus, which is around those key areas of strong business models, financial models. Which UK sustainable stock do you think will see the most growth over the next year? Uh, so because we've been through um, such a difficult year post the pandemic, one of the companies that I think is likely to exhibit sort of one of the best headline growth rates is, is Gym Group. Um, UK-based provider of low-cost gyms. Um, clearly, through the pandemic, they, they had to close for quite a long period of time. Um, and therefore, their membership base uh, over that period, they've managed, in our opinion, very well. They haven't been charging the monthly direct debits, so they've lost a few members. As we come out of the pandemic, um, we feel pretty comfortable that they're strong position in the UK market, being a very low-cost provider, but with a very strong um, portfolio um, of gyms, positions them very well to start growing again, but from a much lower base. So we think, um, you know, revenue growth can be well in excess of sort of 50 to 60% over the next few years. And also we expect their profits to grow ahead of that because these businesses really benefit from utilisation. Uh, and as more members come back, the incremental profits will look very, very appealing. So there's a business that has come under real pressure because of the pandemic, but has a very strong capital base, is a very well-worked uh, strategy and business model that will look, uh, in our opinion, very compelling as we come through the pandemic and grow at a very attractive rate going forward. And I suppose Jim Group probably wasn't able to generate any revenue at all over the past year with all the gyms closing down. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When they're closed, it, it generated zero revenues uh, as 
places were shut. So it really was a big impact for their business. But of course, it, it does mean uh, their potential to show very high growth rates over the next year or two as they recover will look very appealing. Well, Max, thanks so much. No worries at all. Good to talk to you.